Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Well, good morning. Everybody is awake now. You guys fell asleep during praise and worship, which I don't know how you could have. Wasn't that awesome? Right? It was great. Um, I don't know how you could fall, how you could not enjoy that, right? So, but um, anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you for being here. Thank you for your love and for your peace and for your goodness and just for your faithfulness, for being so so true to your word and so true to us and just being here with us. And we give you the praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So everybody, you guys, and I've been around a lot of VBSs in my life, but that's probably one of the best I've ever seen done. You guys are phenomenal. And so I just want to tell you that and tell everyone else how, how great you guys did. And um, I know you didn't do it for the applause, but... <laughs> But um, God sees, and God sees everything and knows your hearts, and so I thought it was tremendous, and so thank you guys for all you do and all you are. It's really a big deal. I was just thinking, like, there's one of the um, scriptures, like, you got it right here. I thought it was so cool. Like, what do you think of the set, man? What a great job this is. Like, it's kind of cool. It's like, like, I almost feel like a movie star, so <laughs> not, not just look like one. I actually feel like I'm on a set, but... Anyway, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for you to do. And it was in Ephesians 2.10. But I love that kids are learning this. They're learning how valuable they are. They're learning who they are, and they're learning that they have a purpose. And it's all, like a lot of that's right there in, in the scripture, for we are his workmanship. And I absolutely love that because it's the truth. We are his workmanship, not, not something that we created of our, ourselves, but we, we were created with a purpose and, and, and have great value. And when we see that in the scripture, but then to make that come alive when, when you're a little kid, how great is that where you can know from the time you're this little rather than wait till you get big and then, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not just about what I do. It's about who I am. And not just who I am, but whom I'm in. And that scripture says it too. For we are his workmanship, not our own. We're not saved by works. We're saved by his grace. We're saved by what he done, right? So really, we're all his workmanship. But even before that, before the earth was ever created, it says beforehand down there, right? Doesn't it say which God prepared beforehand for you to do? That means before you were even born. God had a plan, and he had a purpose for your life. Now, we raise horses, and so, like, we breed horses. So, so um, I actually got this one stallion I really wanted to breed to, and so, so I, I'm going to be able to breed to it. But I was just thinking, okay, now what do I want this colt to look like, and which, which one would I breed it to, and how would I do this, and how would I do that? But there's a thought in my mind that's saying, you know what, I've got a purpose for this horse, and i got a plan for this horse and for how this horse to get here. And like, if I wanted a, a barrel racing horse, guess what? I would breed to barrel racing horses. If I wanted a cutting horse, I'd go that way. If I wanted a reining horse, I'd go that way. If I wanted a bucking horse, well, I don't want a bucking horse. 
right? So that's out of the question, right? I'm too old for that stuff, right? Now my son, on the other hand, like I get this text Saturday morning and my daughter Kyla, uh, my son Jamie's a, a cowboy and she's a cowgirl. She's a horse trainer, actually. She's pregnant. She's going she's to have a, uh, uh, my grandson will be born here by the end of the month or first of September. I'm real excited about it. But I get this text because Jamie's going to these bull riding with his friend Cannon and Cannon's a PBR bull rider, and so Jamie used to ride bulls, and so they're still trying to get him to ride some, too. And I'm, it's like, we'll, we'll see. He's got the bug. But So he's on the back of the chute helping, the, helping Cannon at a rodeo, and, and he, he helps pull his rope, and then he'll send him, then he'll help hold him up off the bull, because sometimes those bulls will come up, you know, in the chute with you. And so they're at this rodeo. So she sends me this video, and, and she said, well, Jamie broke his finger. Cannon got knocked out, the bullfighter got kicked in the face, and the pickup man got hooked and knocked off of his horse. And she sends me the video of this whole thing. And she's like, and Cannon still won the whole darn radio. <laughs> and, and I was like, he didn't get knocked off until he landed, but I was like, get knocked out, you know. He lands, gets knocked out, the bullfighters are trying to keep the bull off of him, and the one bull, the bullfighter gets kicked in the face, and then the pickup man are trying to get the bull and he gets dragged off and Jamie's sitting there because he broke his finger trying to to keep Cannon up you know and so so but like sometimes you just get texts like that as a cowboy dad you know it's not really what you kind of expect right but anyway we get get these um these horses and we got a purpose for them I see something before I even breed these horses that I want and that's what God saw in you he had a plan, and he had a purpose, and he had a vision for you. Not for something, not, not just a coincidence, like you just weren't an accident. Like God had a plan for you, and he had a purpose for you. You are his workmanship, created for this time, and for this season, and for this place. I was listening as the, one of the little kids was given, um, the, they were given the memory verses, and and um, when I got to come, I got to come a couple of days and kind of watch a little bit of, of the stuff. And so it was, it was tremendous. But I listened to this little kid giving the, um, the memory verse, and it was in 1 Samuel, and 1 Samuel 16. And, and I love this because in 1 Samuel 16, 1, it, um, I mean, that wasn't the memory verse. I'll tell you when I get there, so you're not guessing, right? But it says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him? As king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, and I have chosen one of his sons to be king, and his name is David. It was David, but he didn't say that yet, right? <laughs> so he says, guess what? I'm sending you to Jesse, right? Because one of his sons is going to be king. And see, when Saul was, was, was chosen to be king, like he is out chasing donkeys, man. His uncle's donkeys had gotten away, and he's out chasing them, and then he comes to find him. And you know what? The Bible says that Saul was hiding behind the baggage. You know what that tells me is he couldn't get past his past. He was carrying the baggage of, of everything that's with him. Sometimes we can carry baggage from the good things, too. Like we can get stuck in the good things and just want to live there rather than staying present and moving forward in who God created us to be, right? And Saul obviously had, he wasn't perfect, but, um, but God never really wanted Israel to have a king because he's like, ain't I good enough? But they wanted a king. And so they got Saul. Now, Saul looked good. 
Like, he was handsome and he was tall. He's like a taller version of me, <laughs> you know? Had a great smile, you know, charismatic, you know? It's who you would expect to be a king, right? And so, so but he didn't have a heart for God. Not a heart for God like David did, right? So, so, so God says, you know what, Samuel? Forget, forget Saul. I've got a better plan. And this plan isn't just going to be for your lifetime. But this plan is going to span generations. Not only is it going to span generations, but the impact of this moment is going to last for eternity. Because guess what? Out of David come Jesus himself. The Messiah was birthed into this earth. Now he was son of God, right? But he come through that line. You don't know what God's doing in your heart right now that he's birthing that you think is just simple and just ordinary and just going through that is going to impact generations down the line. Now think about that. Now I don't want to get stuck. You're like, well, but Jesus is going to come way before then. You know, if he comes, woohoo, I'm on that train, right? But what if he doesn't come for a long time? Let's think down the line, too, and, and be excited when he does come, right? Because Jesus is like, like, we're going to be doing something when he comes back. Like, like we ain't going to just be sitting up looking at the stars. You know what I mean? Because then, then, then it's just it's a waste of our time, right? But anyway, so, so I, I just love how God used something so simple that you would think is so simple, and it impacts us. To this day, and it will keep impacting for eternity. Because see, we're just we're we're not just here. I mean, we're just, we're bodies, right? This is our temple, but our spirit's going to live forever. Really, it impacts for eternity. So, so when we see God doesn't look at things like we look at things. He doesn't look at people like you look at people, right? So I had had a cousin and. And he was engaged, and he decided he wanted a different girlfriend. And so, so he broke up with her and went with this other girlfriend. And, and he didn't do everything just right, you know. And so, so we kind of we got upset with him because we really liked a, his fiance. And so, so anyway, um, I actually saw him yesterday. And um, he married that girl. He's got like 800 kids. And I was watching him, and he was so happy and doing so good. And in all of my, I realized that, that I was kind of being a religious jerk back then. And I was like, in my thought process and stuff, because I was judging on the outside appearance, and I didn't see that God had wanted to do something in his heart that would, would give him a better life than I thought that he wanted. And I wonder how much of the time... And it convicted me. And I was like, man, I don't want to be religious, and I don't want to judge people based on just an outward appearance, or, oh, you messed up now. So what, you messed up now? Guess what? Get up and keep moving forward and and trust God to go forward with you, right? Because guess what? We all mess up. All of our mess-ups just look a little different. Right? And so how are we relating to people? How are we judging people? Are we being religious and using that religion to put people down and to judge people? Or are we relational and using that relationship to lift people up and bring them to Jesus and who they really are? 
Because guess what? All that does is push people away and create hard feelings when if you just love them through it and talk with them through it, maybe there's another way to get through it. Do you hear what I'm talking about? And that's really how Jesus kind of would have done it, right? He's talking to the woman at the well when everybody's like, oh, you can't talk to her. You don't know what she's done and where she's been. And you actually you can't even talk to women. And on top of that, she's a half-breed. She's a Samaritan. He's like, just bug off, man. I see a person in there. I'm not after what everyone thinks looks good, smells good, feels good. Like all these, all these are just faculties that we have. Taste, smell, touch, feel. Like my horses and my dog have those. If all we're doing is living off that, we're no better or no different than a mere animal. And God's given us higher faculties, will, reason, intuition, imagination, all these things that we can choose and then we can operate. And we're not just mere animals, but we're sons of a most high God. Does that make sense? And so as we step into that, then God wants to do something great in our lives. So I love this because he's saying, I'm sending you... To Jesse of Bethlehem, I, see, for we are his workmanship. And he's telling, he's telling Samuel, he's like, hey, I've chosen David. Just like he's saying, I've chosen you. It's not a coincidence. It's for his purposes, for his reason, for his season. And that's good news, right? So... I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. So you're like, God's telling him to lie. No, he's not. Because guess what he did? He's like, take a a heifer and not sacrifice it to me? And guess what? He took a heifer and sacrificed it to God. He's like, I'm giving you uh, an option and I'm giving you a way. And this tells us when we don't know the way, in our own way, we've got someone who does know the way. And he'll have a way that, that's beyond what we can even think or imagine. God, the Bible says God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can think or imagine, Right? And so, so that means that we got to be willing to let ourselves think and imagine, right? And that's what I love about kids in Bible school is because our imagination when we're kids, we just let, it just runs wild. And then when we get older, we're like, they tell us, don't imagine anymore. And that's, that's one of our spiritual, spiritual faculties. Why not imagine? Do you know what you're imagining anyway? Do you ever have like... Like, you see a, a cop, and you're, like, speeding, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to get a ticket. And then you just, like, run the scenario through your mind where you see him pulling you over, and he looks like, like Poncho from Chips. <laughs> you know? And so, um, or, or it could be worse. It could be, like, like um, the dude from the Dukes of Hazard, Sheriff Roscoe, you know, with his little, <laughs> depending on where you're from and what show you liked, right? But you get this, you get this imagination in its imagination. That's why the Bible says that casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we're imagining anyway. You might as well let your imagination work for you in, with God. Right? 
And so that's something we don't talk about a lot in church, right? Because it's that, well, you can't imagine, you can't do this, you know, that's evil, that's fantasy, that's, no, it's not. That, that's God saw you, he imagined you before you were born. He thought everything that exists was a thought. This microphone, someone thought it up, right? And, and God used them to create it, right? The chair you're sitting on, the building we're in, right? The, the telephone that we talk on. hundred years ago, they'd have said that was impossible. Everyone except maybe Tesla, <laughs> right? But look what God did. And it's through using our spiritual faculties and our imagination. And, and God, God had an imagination and a thought about you. Don't be afraid to think, but, but for the Bible says... Um, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. But he said, and they're good thoughts, not evil thoughts. So we can line up, hey, you know what? I want to think with God. I want to know what he's thinking about me. I was talking about restoration, and restoration is really important. But it starts with reconciliation. And reconciliation is really cool because God has reconciled us to God, to Jesus, to himself through the cross. And that's big news. Without that reconciliation, we, we're like, man, well, God hates me. He's not after me. He don't love me. You know? That's totally true. He loves everyone. He died for everyone. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for the Christians that are in church. <laughs> that's not what it says? No. For the world, that's impossible. There's like almost 8 billion people in the world. There's 7 billion, Right? No, he loves the world, so he gave his only son, right? So anyway, it goes on and says, he took it half for him, and he says, invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. And then Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? They're like, man, are you here in peace, or are you here to kill us, man? Is there some, some, are you going to bless us? Is there a bless, blessing or is there a curse, right? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Now he, he's got his sons here and he consecrates them and brings them to the sacrifice, but there's one son missing. He wasn't in the consecration party, man. He wasn't consecrated and picked out by man. Like, his dad didn't even think enough. He's like, hey, I'm going to anoint, come here. I'm going to anoint one of your sons to be king. Can you have all your sons here? And he's like, yeah. He believed in all of them enough to have them there except David. Like, surely he could have, if he had enough sheep and all those sons, he could have put a servant out there to watch those sheep. But he didn't even think enough of David to bring him to the party. Now think about that. Now that tells you maybe what did David grow up like? What did he grow up with? What was his thought process as well? You know, if he hadn't been out there with God and with the sheep and where he was at, maybe he wouldn't have had the grit that he had, man. He, maybe he had to learn to kill the lion and the bear out of, out of sheer survival and fear at first. But then he got one and then the confidence comes. And he got another, and the confidence come. And then, then pretty soon he realized that with him and God, it was a majority, and that he could trust God. Don't dismiss the little victories. Even when you're scared, 
Man, you can't imagine the first one that David had to kill. Can you imagine he's a little boy out in the middle of the sheep trying to protect these things? I'd have been running. But he had the courage to stand up there and he built a relationship with God. While everyone else might seem a little bit cozy, maybe you're going through some hard things, maybe you're going through some tough things and you're like, well, God don't like me. What if those very hard things are building something in you to propel you into the future that you couldn't have without it? They build character, they build grit, they build something strong in us that we can trust God in, right? And so, so it says, Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. Of course, it said the peace, and then he consecrated all of them. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. He's like, look at that dude, man. He's got muscles. This is a rock, man. He's like, like if the rock was in the Bible. The rock is in the Bible, but it's Jesus, not, not Dwayne, the rock Johnson, right? But here he is, muscles, and he's like standing up, just tough as can be. He goes, that's a king. That's a warrior king. He can kick anybody's tail. He's going to be a champion. And God said, no, I didn't pick him. And so then the Bible says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Man. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's powerful. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and he had him pass in front of Samuel, and Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Shammah. Shama looked like Brad Pitt, man. Like, everybody's like, that's the one. Look at him. I've seen him in that one movie, and he was really good. Right? Go down all the lists. Everybody was looking at the outside. Everybody was looking at what man could see. God said, man, I created this little boy. You guys have rejected him probably all of his life, but I have chosen him before the foundations of the earth to be the king. Not just the king, but out of his line, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to birth the Messiah, and that Messiah is going to change the world for eternity. Don't think David's maybe a little important? Don't you think that maybe God sees things a little different than what we see things? Don't you think that God has a different plan than what we have? Are we going to trust him? We say, you know, Father, like, or, I, I really want to encourage because a lot of times we look at our own situations or, or we limit ourselves or say, because I did this in the 1,000 years ago, like, I can't, I'm disqualified for this, or because I'm going through this right now, God can't use me. And God's like, I'm not looking on the outward appearance. I'm not even looking on your actions. I'm looking at your heart because I have created you for great things. And the greatest thing he created us for 
is found right here, created in Christ Jesus. That's the most important thing because that's our relationship. Christ in us, the hope of glory, and it's also the hope for everyone else we're ever going to be around because that's our only hope to reach other people is in and through him, not through religion, not, not through through our works, but in him we live and move and have our beings. And as we have that relationship with him, then he can move through us. And then when we're loving people, we're loving people as he is, rather than loving people as how we think they need to turn into. The Bible says the Pharisees, they went around, like, like they'd go and they'd save people, right? Like we're going to save them and they'd save them. And then the, the Bible says, Jesus said it. He said, said, and then you make them like seven times worse the devil that you are. Because they weren't about relationship. They were about religion. They were about trying to make themselves good enough for God when they were already his workmanship created in Christ. The good works come, man. But the good works isn't our objective. The good works is an outflow of our relationship in him. It's like I watched the, the VBS and watched you guys work. You guys didn't do it because you had a certain agenda. I want this kid to be a preacher and I want this kid to do this. And I, you know, you didn't. You did it out of your heart because you love the kids. Guess what? That's where Christ working in and through you, you were working as him. You're the body of Christ. The Bible says we're the body of Christ. Like, like he's in heaven. We're waiting for him to come back. And he's like, guess what, boys? Wake up, wake up, wake up. You're the body. Get up. Let me live in and through you right now. And then when he comes back, really, his feet's already going to be here. His hands, his, his, his neck, his shoulders. It's already here. Just a head's going to pop down, man. He's the head of the church, right? That's all we're waiting on is our head. You're like, you lost your head, but we're really not lost our head because we're connected. We're just with him. It's, this is such a big body that it, it steps into another dimension, and we're all connected with him. We are the body of Christ. As he is, so are we in this world. There's no separation. None. Separation is a lie. We are one with Christ. We are created in Christ. For in him we live and move and have our being. It's like, just, do you want to let me live through you? So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep, man. I don't think he's the one. He's like, you know what? I'd rather not have one of my sons be anointed than for us to waste our time to go get David. So he's saying, can't be David. You, got, you had to mess up. Go back through these boys. You ain't hearing from God, Samuel. And do you know what Samuel said? Oh, you're right, Jesse. You're right, no, he said, Samuel said, sin for him. And then he said this, we will not sit down until he arrives. Can you imagine? What if he's like way on the back end of the back 40? He's like, we're, we're, we're not only waiting on him, you ain't sitting down. 
Do you know why? Because before anyone else saw it, God saw a king. And you don't sit in the presence of a king. God had a plan for David. God saw his heart. Even though no one else saw it, God did. You know what happened when David got there? Like, I'm sorry. Guess he was right. Let's go back through. <laughs> no, God said, that's the one. That's who I have chosen. That's who I have chosen to be the king. Because he has a heart. You know what's really cool is the Bible call it, says we're a royal priesthood. We're, we're, we get to see two different offices here. We see Samuel's office as a prophet and a, a priest, but we also see the kingship, but the, God says we're both. We're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Think about that. That makes you very valuable. And you know, all creation is just standing. The Bible says that creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know, Everything's out there like, so when are you going to realize who you really are? Who are you going to realize who really lives inside you? And when are you going to start living like it, trusting him like it? I'm not talking religion. I'm not talking works. I'm talking relationship. Amen? So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for just being so gracious to us, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.